Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Custom Made Kid. I'm your host, Amy Williams. If you're new here, I'm excited you've joined us today. This podcast is a place where real conversations about infertility, foster care, and adoption happen. My hope is that by the end of today's episode, you have learned something, been challenged, are encouraged in some way, or maybe feel less alone. We all have our own unique journey. No two are the same, and no one's is perfect. In today's episode, Love is a Sacrifice, Laura Butler talks about her family's experience with adopting from Haiti and how that experience shaped a desire to help other families going through the process as well. The Anna Sharif Foundation, named after their Haitian baby girl, was founded to help families manage adoption costs. We also talk about Laura's initial struggles to connect and discuss her experience with some unexpected post-adoption baby blues. Not everyone will struggle with feelings like this, but if you have, or if you do, you're not the only one. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Let's start out by telling our listeners a little bit about who you are. Sure. Yeah, thank you. So um, we live in Houston, Texas, and we have been married 24 years this summer. We have four children, and I like to say three are biological, one's adopted, and we already forgot which one. (laughs) Um, But we, um, yeah, we we work in ministry. My husband's a worship pastor um, part time. I lead a ladies' Bible study, but my trade is I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and I've been teaching nurses for the last 10 years. And I really enjoy that as well. We also run a nonprofit that we started a couple years ago. Um, it's an adoption grant program called the Anna Sheree Foundation. And we started that in hopes to help other families who are on the road to adoption to help them with the high financial cost that comes along with it. Okay, so tell me how y'all named that foundation. Sure. It's actually in honor of our little girl that we adopted. We adopted Anna Sheree um, from Haiti. She was five years old when we brought her home. It took about three and a half years to finalize her adoption, and she's been home about a year and a half now. Through the process, we met a lot of people who would always tell us, oh, I would love to adopt, but, and there was always a but after it, and it's just because it's so expensive. And so, to be honest with you, I just kind of came to my husband and I said, you know, I hate for money to be an issue for any family who is called to adoption. And so he said, well, what do you want to do about it? So we began to brainstorm and pray together. And um, we started a nonprofit and it's in in honor of her, Anna Cherie, and and hopes to be able to help more families adopt like we did. And to date, it's been two years and we've already been able to help seven families with their adoption process. So it's been really exciting to kind of keep your hand in the adoption world a little bit. Yeah, that's wonderful. And what a neat component of your story, because I feel like adoption always has so many layers. And the fact that, you know, you were able to pursue adopting her and then now it is sort of set a path for your family and for this foundation to help other families. That's a really beautiful thing. Thank you. I know it's been fun to kind of keep our kids kind of helping and other children. We just are doing a baby bottle drive right now at our church. It's been fun just to see other kids go around the neighborhood, the ballpark to collect money and to kind of really be able to bring awareness to adoption um, and to be able to get allow other people to be involved 
um, with these adoption grants. Cause we also met people that were, Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's for me, but I would love to come to your fun run or buy a t-shirt. And so I thought, what if we put the two or two together where we raise money to help other families. And so it's been really neat to see how God's blessed the whole process. That is awesome. And what an example for kids just by doing tasks that you can do in your every, every day. And yet it's for a much greater cause really. Absolutely. It's been really exciting to see families get involved. Um, we've had a fishing tournament, we've had our fun run, a bowling tournament, and just really making these family fun events to where they know that hundred percent of their money is going to our adoption grants. So yeah, well, I love that. <laughs> lots of fun. Thank you. Yeah. So back up a little bit. Tell me how adoption became a part of your story. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how, you know, you meet some people who might say, oh, we couldn't get pregnant, but really we had three healthy pregnancies with a little bit of help of medicine. But, you know, our baby was getting older and we kept thinking what was next for us. And so we began to talk about what, you know, what is our family going to look like after everyone's in school? And we began to pray about, well, should I work, go back to work full time? And really just kind of a what's next for us. And in the meantime, I was planning a mission trip to Haiti. And through the process, a lot of the, um, the, the statistics of Haitians and adoption and maternal death kept kind of ringing in the back of our ear. And we had some friends adopt from China um, earlier on in our married life that was always kind of in the back of our head. And, and my sister is actually adopted, but really, I never really thought about adoption would be for us <clears throat> until one time my husband just kind of said, well, you know, what do you think about adoption? And I was like, oh gosh, well, we already have three kids. Do you think that's something <laughs> that we could do? And so we decided to pray about it even more. And again, we just kind of really just sought the Lord and really fasted and prayed about this big decision. And my husband said, well, let's talk to the kids about it and see what, what they what they seem to think. And I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe they're going to think this is crazy, <laughs> but they didn't. Um, I think the Lord had already prepared, pre- sorry, prepared their hearts for it. And so we sat down with all three of them and they said, well, yeah, why wouldn't we adopt? So it's kind of a neat little confirmation that our family was on board yeah, for adoption. That's wonderful <laughs> that they would just be like, let's do it. Yeah, it was really neat. And so we just began to look at all the options and girl, you know, there's a, <laughs> so many different options and plans to go through and countries and domestic and private. It just was overwhelming with all the different options and choices that we had to make. So, but yeah, we just decided to go for it and we knew our hearts were big enough and our home was big enough. And I just knew also we would be that couple that would regret it if we waited too long because, because the process takes so while and then you have to be a certain age (laughs) or you can't adopt. And so, but there were so many factors that we just knew that it was one of those things to where I don't, we knew if we didn't do it, we would be um, dishonoring the Lord or not obeying him. So yeah, sure. Better, you know, better to move forward and let God close the doors, if you wills, than to to not do anything and then have regrets later that you didn't follow that call for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so you said you mentioned um, once you guys made your selection, it's you mentioned a three and a half year process. And then she's been home with you guys for a year and a half. Did I follow that correctly? Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, it, it kind of jokingly, I remember our agency saying that it, it takes about two to three years. And I kept thinking, oh, there's no way it's going to take that long. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> it, it, it took even longer. 
But um, when you're dealing with a third world country, it's very difficult and making sure that everything's done under the Hague Convention and the, the new adoption law. So it took a little bit longer, but you know what? Now that we're on the other side of it, it's like probably pregnancy. You already forget about it. <laughs> you're just, yeah. You know, During you know, it's really hard, but then on the other side, you magically <laughs> forget for sure. You do, you do. You do. So Now, did y'all have any concerns about how long it would take for you guys to have this child in your arms? Because, you know, I feel like as parents, we want to control every dynamic in some ways of our children's world so that they can have the best of everything. And, and she didn't have the opportunity to be in you guys' arms for three and a half years. Was that ever a concern for you? Well, there were definitely a lot of times that I would worry about, oh, I have to get her within that first four years of life because, you know, that's when the brain's developing and her bonding to the nannies. Is that going to be able to happen? And so I did worry about those those first few, you know, important years of someone's life. And of course, when you all the hurricanes that were blazing through Haiti a couple of years ago, and it was very hard to be able to not to, to sit and wait and not do anything. That was very challenging. But to be honest with you, we get we got some great advice at the beginning that just said, hey, it's going to take a while, so keep living your life, you know, keep trusting God. And that's what we did, you know. Of course, we wanted her with us, but we kind of knew in advance that it, it was going to take a while, so it kind of helped us prepare <clears throat> mentally. But towards the end, we were getting anxious for sure because we missed her birthday, and we thought we would have had her on her birthday. And then more hurricanes came, the big hurricane Harvey and Houston came, and it was just all these little setbacks that kept prolonging that last little part. Um, but you know what? When we got the final say to go, <laughs> our whole family went down to Haiti to pick her up, and <clears throat> you just kind of forget about all those horrible times where the paperwork wasn't right or this fee had to be included or you know, so many setbacks in the process. It was very overwhelming at times. Right. Well, and I feel like in pregnancy, we have those too. It's just a different kind. I mean, you know, you got to the end of it and you're like, get here. And I feel like that's very similar to pregnancy in a way. There's a lot of interesting ways that adoption and pregnancy, you know, sort of mirror each other in the, in the weight and in the falling in love and the getting to know and, you know, all of those things. So you know, one thing that you and I had talked about initially was the attachment component. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she's three and a half years old and she comes into your home. First of all, I want to hear how your children's, you know, first meeting with her was. I would love to hear that as well as yours and your husband's. And then tell me what it's like when you guys get home. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So we actually brought her home um, right after her fifth birthday. And, um, so she actually did really well. Um, I, to be honest with you, I almost say we kind of got the perfect (laughs) orphan because she never really cried. She, um, was very happy and adjusted well and learned English very quickly. Probably in two months, she learned 80% of her English, which was pretty outstanding for her. But, you know, every night I would just lay her on my chest because the social worker told me just to treat her like a newborn for those first months. And so that's what I did. I, I bathed her, I fed her, I, she slept on my chest and every night I would ask her in French, I would say, Como se va? And she would always whisper back, se va bien. And so I thought, well, as long as she keeps saying she's good, <laughs> then we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And there were definitely some hard moments of just um, transitions and 
you know, food and a little bit of pouting and just processing no and all that good stuff. But she's, she really did really well. Um, getting on a schedule was a little bit difficult. Um, cause when you come from an orphanage and it's chaos and you know, it's kind of, you know, a little bit of a challenge, but, but really she did great. Um, my kids did great. Um, my biological kids, if you will. And she, to be honest with you, I kind of asked them privately individually and said, Hey, how do you think it's going? And they all three differently said a more, a lot better than what we thought it was going to be. So that was kind of a blessing to hear them. Well, that was another confirmation <laughs> through your children. How neat is I that? I know. I know. So you mentioned food a second ago, and that prompted my memory. When you and I first spoke, we talked about eggs. <laughs> yeah. And a moment that you had where God really kind of righted your internal ship, if you will, um, over a plate of eggs. Can you tell me more about that? <laughs> yeah, sure. So as I was saying, you know, she's adjusted well. Um, my biological kids have adjusted well, but I was not surprised for me to have probably the hardest adjustment. You know, I thought it was going to be all butterflies and roses and it was, I was just going to fall in love with this child automatically. And it really did stretch me. Um, I had a moment one Saturday morning where we were, had breakfast and, you know, it was one of those mornings where you're kind of cleaning out the refrigerator, a little, little bit of fruit, a little bit of a muffin, a little bit of eggs and I really wanted the eggs for me. Um, <laughs> and I remember we'd already fed her, but she asked for eggs. And um, my husband gave them to her, not thinking anything. And I remember being so angry at that moment because those were my eggs. And I felt like I had just gave her this last year every little bit of me. I'd worn myself out. I'd overcompensated for just worrying about things like if she doesn't bond with me, if she doesn't adjust well, what if she has some acting out and fecal smearing or banging her head against the wall or all these horrible things that I'd read about. But I, w I didn't realize how much she had just kind of sucked the life out of me a little bit. And so I was so sad that morning and I was so mad because that's what I wanted for my breakfast. And so I went over to do my Bible study, you know, because that's what every good person's supposed to do, right? When you're mad, right. you open up your Bible. And um, and so I opened up the Bible study that I was doing, and um, the title of it was That Love is a Sacrifice. And the Lord just broke me right there because I thought, Laura Butler, get over yourself. She didn't ask to be an orphan. You know, she didn't ask to be rooted up from everything she knew and um, it just was kind of that moment that I needed to remind her, remind her to me that, you know, love is a sacrifice. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just hard at times. And we've had to sacrifice a lot, just our time, you know, just our whole family dynamics changed. You know, I took a year off work, you know, just so many things. And, but the Lord just reminded me that he also sacrificed so much for me. So yeah, it's, it's funny how we talk about postpartum depression, you know, I'm an OB nurse. And so I'm always educating our patients about postpartum depression. And that's also a little bit in the adoption world as well. And people just don't want to talk about it. I met a lady who kind of told me a little bit about it. And I remember thinking, oh, that's crazy. Who would ever <laughs> struggle with that, you know? And well, here, I, so here I was at breakfast that morning struggling with, okay, where, where are your thoughts? You know, what are you doing? And 
So yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I mean, it's just interesting to me. It came down to a plate of eggs, you know, for you to have that moment where you thought I'm tired. Like I feel like I have nothing left to give. And so it was obviously much more than the eggs that hit, you know, (laughs) hit the kind of deal. But that was that moment that you just really had to sit down and break before the Lord. And, you know, you mentioned just now the postpartum depression and you would think without the biological component that that wouldn't be there. It almost seems like there's no way that's possible. But that's one thing you and I connected about. We both had moments where we thought that we had gone through some form of that. For me, I felt the same as you. I had hoped it would be just sort of this beam of light shining down and I would feel this total connection with this child and whatever. And I absolutely, the second I met her, chose to love her. But the feeling didn't necessarily show up until later. And it was it was a building process. Let me say that. It didn't just like arrive one day. Sure. But there was definitely a time where... I was doing it as a as almost obedience and the feelings had to follow and interestingly enough for me it was about 9 months I looked at her and I remember feeling like this wasn't just somebody I was doing life with or it didn't feel like kind of babysitting anymore she felt like mine but right. there is this you do so much and you're in you're so supercharged for months on end and in your case years on end right. where you're planning for this new life and then they do come into your family and and it disrupts and I don't mean disrupt in a negative way but it changes the dynamic sure, of your sure. family and your time is different and etc so there are so many things that change because of this one life that's joined your family and I think there has to be grace for that for the fact that your entire world has flipped on a dime Absolutely. And I had actually read a study that talked about there's a direct correlation between the amount of time that your adopted child stays with their birth mother. That's how long it takes for the new bonding to happen. And interesting enough, you know, you say in nine months, well, that's the correlation between that birth mother and that time with that baby. And for me, I don't know for sure when she was taken to the orphanage, but I think it was around right before her second birthday. So, and that's wow. where we're at. And that's where we're at right now. So once I read that, I, I just kind of gave myself a little bit of a, a breather because I just thought, what is wrong with me, Laura? You're a nice person. You've got three kids. You love everyone else's kids. Why are you struggling with this? But I, I think I had mentioned that I'm an OB nurse and by my background, but you know, oxytocin is released, you know, it's kind of called but the relaxing hormone. And um, when a mother breastfeeds or their newborn, that just kind of releases naturally. Well, for an adoption, it's it's almost a learned response. You know, there was no oxytocin that released whenever I got on that airplane and went to Haiti, you know. Um, but the good thing about our brains is that we can learn learn how to and learn how to love. And with caring for her, like you said, even just doing those normal caregiving things like listening and smiling and being present and hugging and holding, rocking, all those things will produce oxytocin in your life, but also will also produce it in your child's life. And so as you work together (laughs) and give your both, give grace to both of you guys, then it becomes something that's like you said, automatically sweet. And when it finally happens, 
but I don't think people want to talk about it. You know, I don't think people, other birth mother or adopted moms are afraid to talk about it because you almost feel, you know, embarrassed or, you know, this should be a happy thing. It's not about you. Well, or it makes you feel like it reflects poorly on you. Like you said to yourself, Laura Butler, (laughs) I'm a good person, you know, and this is a child. Like, why am Mm. I having trouble feeling feels for a child? That seems very criminal in a way that you would struggle to love a child. But at the same time, I think so many people go through that, even with their own biological children. I think biological children go through stages in their life where they're going through a thing and you're like, who are you right now? And you're right. I think, I think that's a great reminder because even my own biological kids get on my nerves some days, you know what I mean? So you can't just, you know, expect perfect. And I think that's probably what when you adopt a child, you think it's going to be. I had struggled with infertility so, so long and had talked so openly about my desire to be a mother. And then it happened and it happened in the form of adoption. And I almost felt guilty or wrong telling anyone that it was harder than I thought or that I was not feeling what I felt like I should feel. There was just very little grace for myself. I thought, you have complained and complained about not being able to be a mother, and now you are, so shut up, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, so when I started reaching out to other um, adopted moms, <clears throat> there's a couple that I've met along the way, and um, when I started just kind of reaching the subject a little bit, like, oh, you know, what do you think about this, or, you know, how, this is how I'm feeling— it's amazing how every single one of them, I mean, there's probably maybe five in my back pocket that I talk to regular, regularly, and every single one of them said, girl, me too, me too. And it just brought tears in my eyes because I was so grateful that we could be honest about our feelings and allow God to heal us or to help us, to give us grace, you know, only through the Holy Spirit can we really get through life anyway. And, but I was grateful that, you know, I had other moms that said, oh yeah, I struggle with that too. And I'm actually reading this book right now. I was going to tell you about it. It's called From Fear to Love. Um, It's by Brian Post. And it's such a great short, short read because I'm not a big reader, but um, this is just a great book and it's helping me kind of rethink the way that we parent her a little bit. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's been good. It's, it's a learning process for sure, girl. (laughs) But you know, know, one of the most powerful things a person can say to another is me too. Mm, So true. It just, there's something so redemptive and something so great about the words me too, that just says, I hear you. I see you. I validate where you are. I've been there too, because it's very freeing. I mean, honestly, I think one of the things that, you know, and I may sound crazy here, but I I truly believe in spiritual warfare, especially over our minds. And I think one of the things that the enemy loves to do to us is get us in isolation where we think it's only me. I'm the only one struggling with this. I've got a problem. And if we don't put it out in the light, it gains momentum and it gains power. 
But, you know, in God's word, he talks about how we're salt and light. And when we put things in in the light and we put it up against who God says we are or what he promises us or who he says he is, then suddenly the things that are so dark and twisty inside of us supposedly (laughs) are really not that at all. Mm, They're just normal. So true. So true. And and he's looking for ways in in our life to show up. Like going back to that Bible study, I've never had a sacrifice in my life. I I mean, I I was got married, you know, to a great man, went to college, you know, all these things kind of, you know, kind of happened. Life just kind of fell into it. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden... I'm had of a sacrifice, but then I think it was those lessons that the Lord needed to swoop in and say, yes, but where you are weak in this area, I am strong and I want to get glory out of this. It's not, an, it's not what you're doing, Laura, because you are human, but I want to give you that peace and grace that only comes from me. And so it's been a, a great little, I always say with my, my first child, I got a glimpse when I, they put her in my arms, I got a glimpse of how much God loves me, you know, because you think, gosh, as much as you love your child, he loves us so much more. But then now with my last child, I've got a glimpse of just that unconditional love, <laughs> you know, yeah. just that, just another way of God's presence showing up in my life through my children. And, and that's just been really a neat little journey. So, yeah. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Before we continue, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to the Custom Made Kid podcast. Don't miss out on future episodes. If you or someone you know has a foster or adoption story that needs to be told, I'd love to hear from you. Email connect at custommadekid.com. So you mentioned you were well prepared for the weight that you had for Anna Cherie. Besides this, you know, kind of awakening in you where life had sort of gone the American dream, you know, and then you disrupted the American dream a little bit and it made you depend more heavily on the Lord, which ultimately I think you would probably say, if if I'm putting words in your mouth, let me know, but you deepened your faith. Am I wrong? Oh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I think about the times that you think, oh, I love everybody. Of course I love everybody. But, you know, when they don't look like you, when they act different than you, when they smell different than you, when they come with GI issues, you know, whenever different culture, you know, like all those things, the strength, like being a stranger, like she was a stranger to us, you know, we had to fall in love with her. So all of those things, you say you're a loving person, but when you're pushed to, to those little limits, wow, you just really have to take a step back and say, okay, Lord, I want to love like you do. You love unconditionally. You love every boundary, every country, every nationality, every, you know, but we say we do (laughs) until we're in that position. And so again, just another way that God has just remind us of his love and how, how us Americans are just so I don't comfortable. know, one, <laughs> comfortable and one dimensional and it was, yeah, comfortable. That's a great, and that's another thing I was uh, mentioning before when we talked, it was just about being vulnerable. That's been kind of the word of the year for me is just when we're vulnerable, it's, it's uncomfortable. Nobody likes to be vulnerable. Nobody wants to, um, kind of get out of their comfort zone, but through our vulnerability, that's where God does his best work in our life. And I really believe that this last year, the Lord has really 
grown me. He stretched me. Um, I didn't think I didn't want to be stretched, um, but I'm grateful for it on the other side. And I do feel a thousand times better <clears throat> this last six months. It's just that first year was difficult. But then at one time I said, well, yeah, she's been home a year. And I thought, well, that's the same thing if I was to say I had a year, one year old. That first year is hard, you know? And, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard when you really expect it and have all of the, you know, kind of normal, quote unquote, normal dynamics in place right. um, <clears throat> when it when it is completely unfamiliar to you. A year isn't really that long at all. Because she had to learn English. She had to learn uh, manners. She had to learn boundaries, um, you know, all the things, the rules in the family how to act like a lady, you know, all these things that she had to learn. I mean, this isn't a baby. This is a three (laughs) plus old. Yes. And she's, and she's coming from her past experiences, you know? And so, um, so that was very challenging, but I have to say this, this girl of ours, she has risen up and she is the most happiest little bundle of joy. Um, she talks all the time. So we're constantly telling her, okay, girl, let's take a little minute break, you know? But, um, but she is really, she's, she's shown us a lot of grace too, and just how much she loves us. And she just adores everybody in this home. And she wakes up every day and just tells us that we're the best mom ever, you know, we're the best sister ever. And she's just very, she uses her words. I think for so many, so many months, she just repeated what we said to her, you know, like you're beautiful, you know, pretty brown skin and all this stuff. And so now she's just kind of using all those sweet words back at You turned her into a words of affirmation girl. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And she gives and receives love that way, huh? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's funny you say that too, because my oldest daughter, Landry, she's very, very can do no wrong. And there are moments where I'll go to her. I mean, cause she's the oldest and she's the first. Sure. So I feel like sometimes you probably make your mistakes on your first one <laughs> you know, kind of deal. Sure, and I've sure. had to go to her before and say, baby, I'm so sorry. Like I should not have spoken like that. Or mommy made a mistake and didn't understand something or whatever. And she'll say to me, no mom, you're the best mom ever. You, you don't do anything wrong. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I definitely do. And there's just such conviction there because her love for me is so immense and Mm. so gracious. And just, it it just, I want to be able to love like her. You know, I mean, she just loves everyone. Everyone is her best friend. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. Two minutes ago. Okay. (laughs) That's so funny, girl. Well, that's sweet. That. Yeah, it's funny what our kids teach us more than what we think we're teaching them. (laughs) Yeah, so true. And then here I was worried about attachment, and she has the opposite problem. I'm like, we do not have to hug everyone we see, you know. Well, I said that whenever she started wanting to wipe me. I was like, okay, girl, we've, we've bonded, you know, mommy can be in the bathroom by herself, you know, but she, <laughs> thank but, you, but no, but she wanted to just to re- reciprocate all that love that she was, was been shown, you know, so, well, that's so sweet. <clears throat> so, yeah. okay. As we wrap up here, there's two things I want to ask you. The first is if there's some listener out there that feels your story feels familiar to, or they found themselves saying me too during this podcast, 
like, what would you tell them? What, how would you encourage them if they were going through something similar to what you've been through? Or do you just have some words of wisdom that you would like to leave with the listeners? (laughs) Well, it's such a great, great question. And probably what I would recommend is what I did is to reach out to your husband, um, some friends and family that you can kind of get those feelings off of your chest, because if you keep them in, we know those just harbor, you know, hateful thoughts and feelings. And so what I did is one day I just sat down with my husband and I said, I need some help. I'm, I'm feeling very suffocated. And so he kind of took the primary parenting roles with her for a while. He put her to bed, he bathed her for me, he served her food and just so I could get a little bit of a breather. And so that helped tremendously. Um, I know not everybody has that beautiful option, um, but definitely recommend talking your feelings out, um, journaling your thoughts, definitely get them out there and just finding some other adopted moms, maybe a support group that you can kind of get. Yeah. Community. And just read some books, you know, um, just try to research some, some of the, Power to Connect, um, you know, conferences that go around once a year is so great. Um, The Sphere to Love, uh, Parenting Difficult Adopted Children book is very helpful. Um, Just give yourself grace. Um, And I love what we talked about already, but just finding people that can say me too. And um, cut yourself some slack (laughs) because nobody's perfect. And you know, um, I think people almost expect, well, cause, well, cause when people meet you, they're like, Oh, you guys must be so wonderful. Or y'all are amazing people to do this or, Oh my, of course y'all would do that. Y'all are always so loving. And then you start feeling guilty cause you're like, Oh my gosh, but why should I be struggling? And so it's just grace cutting itself some slack and the joy comes in the morning, right? <laughs> you, you put the kids to bed and you just ask the Lord to give you strength for one more day. And, um, yeah, definitely yeah, talk my about husband it. <laughs> and I find ourselves putting our kids to bed and high-fiving that we made it out alive for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. There were, there were lots of months that I just couldn't wait for eight zero zero, you know, because I was yep. like, but my takeaway was to, you don't have to do it on your own. Just get some help, you know, that's so. awesome. So the second thing I wanted to ask you is if they would like to connect with you or learn more about the Anishiri Foundation, how would they do that? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so we have a Facebook page. It's called Inspiring Orphan Care. And then our website is actually www.inspiringorphancare.org. Perfect. And do you guys have an Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. The Facebook is the same, Inspiring Orphan Care. And then the Instagram is the same handle as well. Perfect. Yeah, lots of options there. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well so they can have that. Yeah. And basically, you know, again, if other moms want to reach out, um, we're actually praying about starting a support group in the Houston area this fall. Um, But also we need people to help you know, with these adoption grants. So if you know people that want to apply for the grant, um, that would be awesome as well too. So I will send them your way. <laughs> Thanks girl. Well, I appreciate what you're doing in the community as well. And together we can just educate and inspire and be able to hopefully help more families on this journey of adoption. Perfect. Well, thank you, Laura. I appreciate your time and I have loved your story. Thank you for joining our show today. 
Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes of the Custom Made Kid podcast. To learn more about the vision behind the Custom Made Kid Foundation, you can visit our website at custommadekid.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again, and I'm already looking forward to our next episode this same time next week.